Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Layoffs, inflation, recession. Aaron, how do you do it, my man? Ah, uh, that's such a spicy title. It's uh, it's the real deal, though. I, I don't, we don't want to come out of the gates here, folks, as being negative, but there are so many variables flying at us today as business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals that we're going to talk about. How do you stay sane during it all, right? How do you stay grounded? How do you stay focused? Mm -hmm. How do you stay positive? But also, my, my big my big talking point, Aaron, will be how do you... How do you also stay in reality? How do you, you, you can't pretend this stuff isn't happening and expect to thrive. That's really, I think, my biggest opening here. I don't know where you want to start, but I want to start with that because I think that, you know, some people just, they don't, <laughs> they don't play in reality real well. And if, if you're not understanding the dynamics, you can't adjust to the dynamics and ultimately profit from the dynamics, which I think is where we want to go. Yeah, I, I definitely saw yesterday in talking with a prospective client, the, the stark reality that the, the person that I was talking to yesterday said, I really want you to take on our marketing and they're in the, um, they're in the investing space. Yep. And here's how he, how he celebrated how good they were at investing. He said last year, we only lost 7% in the market. The average was 21%. That's how good we are. When someone's starting with their pitches, <laughs> We only lost 7%. We didn't win. We're actually losing. And here's how by not much. <laughs> it, it kind of tells you the state of the union yes. right now for the average person, right? Right, right. And listen, you, you and I candidly have done a pretty good job of insulating our business models over many, 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 many years from recession, inflation, pandemics, war. I mean, because we live mostly online, you do have a degree of insulation when you live online and you're not in the, the brick and mortar world. We saw what happened over the last few years to a lot of brick and mortar businesses. So we'll, we'll loop back to that here as well. But there's a lot of, you know, let's talk about what's going on, right? So there's so many things coming at us today. And this is, Aaron, I, I usually speak from the perspective of the United States, but I think that mm -hmm. worldwide, when you look at Europe and you look at Canada, where you're from, and you look at different parts of the world, it, it, it seems to be about the same. But from a United well, States, it, North it, American perspective, right, the, the dominant the, economy. The economies are, of all countries worldwide are almost a direct reflection of the USA at any given time. Right, right. So here's, so, you know, what we're looking at right here, we've got, you know, first and foremost, if you're watching the show and you have a job, and maybe you're a sales professional and you work for a company, you're on salary, or maybe you're just watching the show and you have a job, you're, you're at the most risk because layoffs are through the roof right now. You look at Amazon, you look at UPS, you look at Nike, you look at Coca-Cola, you look at Twilio. Twilio, by the way, is the 800-pound is the, 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 the gorilla that powers most companies' voice and text. Aaron, we, we use Twilio to power our whole software platform. I sent an email to my account manager the other day, and the response was this. Uh, I'm not sure if you know it, but we've had tens of thousands of layoffs and we're not sure who's going to get back to you at this time. <laughs> I was like, what? Wow. Yeah. A true response from a, a, a publicly traded, you know, couple 
couple hundred million dollar company, maybe even a couple yeah, million Meta, dollar company. Yeah, Meta laid off 15,000 people and they've been struggling with their customer service as well. Google right. just laid off a ton of people. There's a whole okay. bunch of backlash in the in the online world exactly about that. Right. Exactly Elon Musk right. came in and fired half of the staff at Twitter, you know. So you've got you've got layoffs that you need to contend with if you're on two sides, either the one who potentially can be laid off or if maybe you're a business owner or you're thinking about layoffs because you want to cut costs. You've got inflation which the White House loves to pretend is not happening and improving. So we need to talk about reality here as well. It's not serving anybody to not be truthful, right? So we've got to look at the reality of that as well. You've got pretty much a recession happening in most industries, and you don't have many CEOs. And I watch CNBC quite a lot because CEOs tend to be pretty good with forward thinking in most cases. Like if you look at like Jamie Dimon at Chase or you look at um, – Cook at Apple, if you look at Bezos mm-hmm. at Amazon, if you really the financial companies, though, I like to look at the most when they start saying a recession is inevitable um, and that they're starting to say it in droves now. Got to look at that future pacing. And then the other thing is war, man. This current administration, the U.S. has no desire for peace talks. We're funding a war as if we're fighting a war. It's very dangerous. And it's putting us into a very tough position around the world by funding a war to the tune of something like $100 billion when we've got a lot of uses for $100 billion here at home. That slips into business too because it hurts supply chain issues. It's a food shortage issue in some cases. Energy gets affected. So pretending that none of this is happening could be even more devastating to you as a business owner or sales professional because you need to recognize what's happening so that you can pivot accordingly and ultimately profit from what's happening or at least, to your point earlier, Aaron, not go into the negative because what's happening. And I think a lot of it comes down to mindset. And I know you were going to talk a little bit about mindset. I'm going to and, go there next. And every time somebody says mindset, I, I, I honestly get this like gag reflex. You get like the little woo, the, the what, what's the term, the woo woo feeling, right? I get that. Yeah. You just like have it, to have the right mindset, which is partially yeah. true, by the way. But even though, as I say that about my response, I don't know another word to use. So I'm going to use yeah. the word mindset. We could call if it, Aaron, we could say attitude. Attitude. Let's call it attitude. Let's call it attitude. Or perspective. Okay, fair. So when you look at COVID, when COVID hit, much like other catastrophic events, it didn't kill strong companies. What it did is it exposed weaknesses in strong companies and killed weak companies. So when you're going through these different challenging events and times and so on and so forth, it's really good to recognize that there's an opportunity, whether you want it or not, that's put right in front of your face Mm -hmm. to look at your business and say, what have I been putting off as one of those things that I'll get to eventually overlooking, you know, prime example for us last year, Andrew was, was, when all of this was going crazy, we were really looking at cash flow and saying, what are the things that we've been ignoring for a while? And in one of my businesses, you know, I was looking at, at all of our different fees that we paid in a month. And one of my businesses was paying $30,000 a month in merchant you love processing. You story, don't you? Oh, and, and, <laughs> and my CFO said, why are we doing that? Let's just take ACH. And I said, well, yeah, but then you got to chase money and you got to do this and you got to yeah, that. He said, look, and you're in the we'll, invoicing we'll, business. Right. He said, hey. I'll hire a $2,500 a month person to go chase that money. Don't worry about it. And ultimately making the switch over saved us 
a quarter million dollars in free capital. It was instantly like pure profit going in my pocket. Yeah, but I really awesome. wouldn't have analyzed it if I wasn't worried about protecting cash flow and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of things in everybody's business that when times are good and times are booming, we have a tendency to just kind of just Neglect overlook. a lot, man. You know, Neglect. it's something as simple as, as one of the guys that I partnered with, Andrew, I don't know, you know him, uh, it was about 10 years ago. Yep. Every three months, he would make me go through the entire list of subscriptions that our business had. And he would make me justify why we had that subscription. And if I couldn't justify it, we would cancel it right there. And on average, every three months, we would cancel about 500 to $1,000 of subscriptions that weren't being used. And, and at the time I remember thinking, this is like, this is, this is, this is minuscule stuff. Why are we spending time on this? But when you factor it in over time, it's just wastage. It's just free money. That's, yeah, that's going effect. nowhere. Compound effect, you know, or analyzing the productivity of certain employees that have been doing the same thing for so long and their, their job really could have been automated a long time ago, right. you know, and, and we're just paying somebody to sit in a seat that we could be you know, doing for free. There's so many different elements to your business that when times get tough, your perspective, if you shift it and you go, how do we use this time to get more durable, more efficient, more profitable? When you come out the other side and the floodgates open back up, it, it's, it's just like a windfall that happened in your business because you took the time to do it. One of my great friends here on the, on the island is a contractor. And when COVID hit, obviously not like island was shut off. Nobody was building anything. And he kept his whole staff on for two months, huge burn rate. And he put them all in a room and he said, all we're going to do is work on processes. We're going to streamline the entire business. And it cost him a lot of money because no money was coming in. But when the doors opened back up, it's allowed him to double the size of his business with even more profitability and more efficiency because he, he chose to look at it as an opportunity to get better versus an opportunity to panic. Mm -hmm. He took so that downtime and used it accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. Just some yeah. examples of things that you can potentially look at and change your perspective. I mean, and for those people in jobs, if you're feeling the pressure and the constraint right now in the job you're in, it should really open your eyes to – Am I even in the right industry that it could be potentially so volatile? Should this even be the industry that I'm in or am I in the right role or should I be thinking about myself long term and starting to build something on the side exactly. to have some stability because everybody always it's, it's so funny, Andrew, and I'd love to hear your, your opinion on this. Society tells everybody the best form of security is to just go to school, get a job and do it well. Meanwhile, it's in my opinion, it's the most insecure thing. You're at the whim of the economy. You're at the whim of the ownership. You're at the, you have to pay the highest tax rate. Yep. I could go on and on and on and on and on. It's a horrible thing. It, does that mean that entrepreneurialism is easy? No, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's not as, as exponentially more risky as, as the world paints it to be compared to being at the whim of somebody just saying, Hey, you're laid off today. And it can happen like that. And it can be that very fast. unexpected and it can happen any moment. And it's happening right now. To my point earlier, 
It's happening in these big companies. And again, the big companies tend to be a sign for what trickles down, right? Big companies start doing it. Then the medium-sized companies start doing it. Then the little companies where you think you're secure and a group of five or 10 people start doing it. And then it's like, well, now what? I got a month or two of severance, but now what, right? right? So, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, there's never been more opportunity in the world than there is today to start something online, even offline, but preferably online because you have a little bit more leverage and a global reach. So you're absolutely right. What's your plan B if you don't have one, right? Because what's happening is real. And I, you know, they love to say on TV, on CNBC, and you know a lot of the analysts come on, and, and, and especially when it's the analysts who are in the game of buying stocks for clients. And of course, they want them to go up, which means the economy should be in pretty good shape. They always have the rosiest picture of all because they're managing billions of dollars and they have to actually say the right thing. Otherwise, what are their investors going to do if they say, man, the future looks bad? They're going to pull their money out. Right. There's going to so, be a run on it. If, so if that when they're all so out, rosy with their, you know, we really think the indexes are going to do quite well and outperform. And we really think we're going to have a soft landing. I'm like, well, I just heard that seven times today. So that pretty much means I'm going the other way. In fact, for me personally, Aaron, I don't even think I told you this, but um, I, I study a lot of I study two things pretty deeply. I study health and, and, and wellness pretty deeply, as you know, we talk about it a lot on the show. And I study finance pretty deeply as well because I come from that background, right? And I, and I read a lot of newsletters that are offline, not censored online, and that have really good nonpartisan, non-biased, non-conflict of interest type views. And all of my research financially keeps, keeps, keeps pointing me to one place, which is a, 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 a liquidity crisis worldwide to the likes of maybe what we saw in 2008 or maybe before that when I was in the investment banking business in 2001, 2002, the Asian contagion, when it was a true global, um, a global liquidity crisis. But again, back to my point, if you look worldwide, not just politically, but geopolitically, and you look at inflation here, inflation abroad, you look at war doing, I mean, that war is doing nothing but escalating over there. It is a complete, complete shit show on how we're, how we're dealing with that. And you watch these supply chain issues and you look at the layoff situation, and you look at inflation really not coming down. Inflation tends to not go down. It just tends to start to level out. It doesn't go up and then just, things are good again. It just goes back down. Like, they start to become the new normal, right? Do you ever remember, Aaron, like the price of cars or eggs or steak ever going back down to where they were three, four, five, six, ten 10 years ago? No, they go up from an inflation standpoint, and they start to go down and then they level off. They don't really right. retreat back to where they were. Now, it could no. happen, but historically speaking, it won't happen. So I liquidated everything, man, in the month of, uh, and this is not a good long-term investment strategy, by the way. Normally, you want to stay the course, be in all the time, buying every month, dollar cost averaging. But there is literally, in my view, not one economic or geopolitical element from top down, sideways. I'm looking for it. I want it. Give it to me that would make me think for even a minute that the next couple of years, especially under this administration, they've just, every policy they pass is a nightmare, right? That, that would make me think that there won't be some sort of recession, maybe even slash depression in a liquidity crisis, which means at this point, I'm just trying to be as much cash and good old fashioned gold and silver and oil and hard assets that I can be in, maybe even some real estate, but I have no desire to be exposed to stocks as companies are saying, there's gonna be huge layoffs, Inflation isn't getting any better. We've got recession, recessionary, you know, maybe even depressionary issues. We've got war only escalating, which probably is going to eventually have us and European countries start spilling in because you can only fund it for so long before you go, 
well, shit, maybe we need to get involved right now. I mean, could you imagine what would happen to the to the U.S. indexes in the stock market if we put like one troop on the ground in Russia? The Disaster. stock market gets cut in half. I mean, it's like all of those stop, all of those things were on the brink. Now, I don't say that to be negative. I'm saying that because I like to look at those things so I can make certain moves. I have no desire of being exposed to any of it. But from a business standpoint now, we have entrepreneurs, business professionals. We have entrepreneurs and sales professionals watching the show. How do you navigate the business day to day with all of what I just said? And more so, not stay the same and go sideways, but how do you actually continue to grow the business? And how do you actually continue to to prosper in business during times like this? Because what Warren Buffett has always said is when there's blood in the street, that's when I'm the most aggressive with my investing. Right. And we're yep. starting to see those pockets of blood in the street right now in certain industries where you can either pivot and go into a different industry because you have a solution that maybe will work, like you said, Aaron, a second ago. Um, you know, maybe you're an A player in a C industry, or I should say you're an A player in a C opportunity. That often is the case for many, right? So let's talk now about okay, we've recognized it. It's not always the rosiest picture. Let's be pragmatic here. Let's be optimistic, but let's also not be clueless and naive and not address reality? And then how do you build what pivots would you need to make in the business, which is where I want to go next, so that you can continue to thrive in times where customers piling in maybe isn't as abundant as it was and people are not spending what they're what they usually spend. I'm seeing that right now in our business where our sales guys are sort of scratching their heads going, man, we're just not getting people to invest in the higher end services like we were in 2022. Could that be something that's fear-based, recessionary, inflation concerning? And the answer is probably yes. The answer is probably yes. So now how do you navigate that is the key. I think you have to look at, like you do, the different trends that are happening now in the marketplace and adjust accordingly. So I'll give you an example. I live in one of the wealthiest per capita places in the world, down in the Cayman Islands. And if I look at the hotel rooms right now mm-hmm. at the Ritz-Carlton and the Kimpton, um, both five-star resorts, uh, the Kimpton right now for a one-bedroom, not even a one-bedroom, just a standard hotel room, is $1,000 a night. Oh, they're through the roof travel costs. And the Ritz-Carlton is 1500 for just a standard room. And, and why and, is that, Aaron? And they're absolutely packed. And why is that? Well, there's a, mul- there's a multitude of different reasons, but I'll go into where I'm going with this point. The, every time that there's a catastrophic event, what we have to remember is that the money doesn't disappear. The money goes to different pockets. And over the last three years with COVID and all these other different elements, there was a ton of money printed. There was a ton of money distributed. And there's a whole bunch of people that have it. And there's a whole bunch of people that lost it. Mm-hmm. And the people that have it have more than they've ever had in their entire life. They're absolutely pouring out the ears with money. The people that I'm talking to here on this island are saying, bring me anything you got that's worth investing in. I got to find places for my money. They're not worried about gas and eggs and milk and groceries and rent and all the other things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be worried about those things. They're not exposed like many people are to those things. So you have to ask yourself, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that, that there is a certain group of people that has more money than they've ever had before. 
So is your business catering to those people or is your business catering to potentially the, the price competition area where it's a race to the bottom right now because everyone's trying to fight over the people that are, that are, you know, potentially trying to save money and, and everybody just has to go lower, lower, lower in their pricing. So when we look at, you know, our sales team, for example, saying, you know, there's a lot of people not buying the premium products. Mm -hmm. There are a ton of people buying the premium products. It's just potentially that that audience isn't buying the premium products because yesterday uh, I had a friend reach out on Skype and he said, hey, man, I just want to ask you a question. Um, are you finding financing drying up for these big ticket premium products? And I said, absolutely, it is. So marketing those types of products to an audience that needs financing is becoming significantly more difficult. But marketing to a premium product with premium customer service and, and, and premium results to the group that has money, they can't spend money fast enough, right? Sat down with a guy with breakfast this morning, has five companies, has made a gazillion dollars. He's like, what, 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 what check do you want me to write you? Talked about a service. I'll write you a check right now. What do you want? Can't wait. So you have to look at the trends of not only industries, but also where the money went and ask yourself, can I go market to those groups of people? And if you can't, and you are a hundred percent committed to staying in your business model, that's not, then you got to really be thinking about, okay, I got to batten down the hatches from a cash flow standpoint right now. I have to make sure that every dollar matters and anything that I'm potentially clearing up that I can use from a profitability standpoint needs to go into my marketing to be seeding that audience in perpetuity for when it starts to rebound. So I'm the first person in their mind when that money starts to loosen back up. Does that make sense? It does. And that brings me to exactly where we want to go next, which is you might need to re-engineer your entire marketing to do just that. And that's exactly right. what you just talked about, a re-engineering of, for me, the messaging, right? And maybe even the market. So the messaging is one thing, but the market is another. Maybe your current customers are not capable of spending, like you just said, during times like these. So you might have to change the customers you go after. But the other thing is changing the messaging too. So as an example, when we've over the years marketed our software platform pipeline pro we've always marketed as a how to increase sales mm -hmm. how to how to how to triple or double conversions how to bring everything into one system to create better efficiency better systems better organization better visibility and when we recognize exactly what we're talking about here today we changed the messaging to how to beat inflation right and it was like wait, wait, aren't you guys a software company what do you mean how to how to how to beat inflation well, I'll tell you how right so Inflation's front of mind. So an old direct response copywriting technique is always try to enter the conversation already happening in the minds of your prospects. And right now, what is in the minds of most of your prospects? The things we're talking about here today, layoffs, inflation, higher costs, potentially war, um, you know, contraction. Those things are naturally on the mind of many. So if you can speak to that, you can actually get your audience's attention and, and, be, and they'll be more receptive to your products and services. So how to beat inflation by having one software system that eliminates four, five, and six subscriptions is a cash flow play. This increases yeah. cash flow. So that messaging actually converted better for us in the last, I don't know, six months or so when we changed it yeah. because we were speaking to the challenges that are on most people's minds versus speaking in the 
good old days, prosperity type languaging. And it isn't a negative play. It's a pragmatic play. It's addressing people where they're at now and addressing the environment where they're at right now. And that's, that's, the, that's the agility you need to be able to have if you're a really good marketing organization. And at the end of the day, you're in the marketing business. You're not a doctor. You're a marketer of medical services. You're not a lawyer. You're a marketer of legal services. You're not a coach. You're a marketer of coaching services. And when you get that shift wrapped around, you're then able to quickly move things, change things, adjust things, and you're much more nimble. Agreed. And and just going back to even reinforcing my point earlier about potentially who you're marketing to, um, you and I have a mutual uh, friend who's a doctor in Florida, which I won't go, you know, in depth on. Uh, and you got me thinking who you're talking about right now, but I'll figure it out. He's a, he's, he's a, it's an optional surgery. Let's just say that it's a, it's a, it's a beautification surgery. So I was talking to him last week and he sent me the quote and I burst out laughing because it is astronomical. Like almost fell off my chair. It's so high. But this guy's doing eight sales calls a day. It's completely booked out three months in advance. And the people that he's talking to don't care one bit. Not one bit. Because he has the right audience. Because he's got the right audience and he's positioned himself as the authority in the space to that particular audience. And he could care less whether or not I think it's expensive or not because he's lined up. Yeah. Right? He's lined up. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Is he worrying right now about recession, inflation, you know, all those things? Maybe a little bit, but I doubt much because he's printing money and his clients have more money than they've ever had in their entire life. So he's charging a premium. You know, so who are you marketing to? Who are you trying to sell to right now? Yeah, the who is important, right? You might need to adjust your who. Correct. Right, you might need to adjust your, or or add a different who that would be more receptive during times where people aren't as economically sensitive and maintain the other audience that you have and, and, and deal with them and service them and retain them. But new acquisition of a new style of customer is what you want to be thinking about. New messaging, right? Mm-hmm. New angles, going into new spaces. Potentially even new product. New product that addresses the times. Right. New, new joint pro- ventures, new partnerships, sure. right? This is the time to be really thinking about not contracting and playing it safe and going into defense mode, although that's important too because pragmatism is important, right? But also going, okay, how do I get more aggressive and get more diversified, right? So you and I had a conversation yesterday with another media media, um, platform. And and the first thing I said to him was I said, one of the reasons why we want to add this form of media is because I need more diversification in the current media that we're using right now because I've seen some of the holes happening in that form of media, due to the times we're in, I've seen yep. costs go up. I've seen regulation go up. So now I need to get more diversified and we need to be in more places so that if one of these avenues starts to contract, the other avenue has the ability not to contract and you offset, right? So you got to be thinking, you got to be thinking almost like, you know, a, a, a portfolio approach to what it is that you're doing with your customers, 
portfolio approach, not just one kind of customer, but maybe two or three. A product mix portfolio, like you just said, Aaron, maybe it's maybe it's not the product that's been working in great times. Maybe we need to adjust it, maybe have a, a lower entry point version, or maybe we need a straight premium version, but yet that goes to right. a different audience. This is time to get really creative and, again, acknowledge what's happening, but don't let it completely freeze you like a deer in headlights. But don't also pretend it isn't happening right either right now because like the concern I have with culture now, especially in America, is we love sweeping this stuff under the carpet. I mean, I, 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 I last about two minutes, Aaron. You don't see this, but I do. Actually, it's painful to see. I usually need a cocktail to watch this. But I, when you watch the White House press secretary, like the current White House press secretary is one of the most incompetent human beings maybe ever to take this job in the history of America. I mean, she, it, there's only two things happening. She either has no idea what's going on, which is incompetence, or she knows what's going on and she's just completely deceiving people. Like there's only two choices, right? So it's like, we just got the inflation report from like the real economic, the, the real economists in the world. And you basically just said the numbers were amazing. And it's like, wait, well, hold on. But they're not, they're over here. And, and I, the we only lost 7% wait. last year. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like your guy in the beginning. Exactly, Aaron. He's like, we're really doing well. We're down 7% when everybody else is down 20. Like they've been telling us for years, like the inflation thing isn't a big deal. It's transitory. The pre the previous press secretary actually said, somebody asked her, there's always some funny guys in the, in the audience, like actually asking important questions. And they were like, how do you feel about these supply chain issues? It's really seeming to, to get worse, not better. This was a little while back. And she's like, well, at the end of the day, people are going to have to wait a little longer to get their Peloton. It's like, wow. what? Yeah. And, and then, you know, the whole electric vehicle thing, you know, the all or nothing ideologues, let's just let's just kill an industry and go do everything all in without proof of concept, you know, on the whole electric vehicle thing, which great electric vehicle, probably a, a great option, but not the only option. It should be used in conjunction with gas and oil. It should be everything, not one or the other, no dogma, no all or nothing mentality. And they were like, yeah, um, I forget who it was. I think it was the was the the the. Uh, the secretary of transportation or something like that was asked about like, well, these electric cars are so expensive. What do you tell somebody who's on a budget and they're even strapping now to put food on the table and, and electric cars are like two times the price of a regular car at this point. And they were like, I forget what he said, but it was like the most astounding disconnected from reality answer I've ever heard. But he said something along the lines of, um, you know, maybe carpool or, or like something like really disconnected from reality. Like maybe you should carpool, or, you know, have one car instead of two. And it was like, these aren't answers. These are like, this is just like scarcity mentality. Like I'm going to like pretend it isn't happening type answers. And it's like, you got to watch all this stuff with a grain of salt. You got to look left, right, high, low, conservative, liberal. You got to watch news channels that, 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 that are just economic driven, but then maybe other news channels that have an agenda and really kind of figure out today. It's a lot of work, man. You got to really figure out with all this information coming at you what is accurate and what would affect your business the most, right? Your well, business and, model the most. And earlier you, you mentioned something that kind of, I think is important to drive home because people oftentimes we've talked about product, we've talked about market, talking about messaging. Let's talk about tactics. You mentioned something really briefly about five minutes ago. You said the word joint ventures. Okay. Last year in one of my companies, we generated $6.5 million through joint ventures. And those joint ventures were, if I broke them down for you, 
basically came in three different areas. So one area was I sent prospective clients to vendors that I thought could do a great job with my current clients when they had a need. The second tranche was I offered to give value to other people's customer bases in exchange for exposure to their clientele. Now, how you could do that is you could give away something really valuable to their email list, or you could do a live show that they could join, or you could do a webinar, or in this particular case, we do a live Q&A every single week. I offered to give value away to these different communities in exchange for exposure, and, and in exchange for that exposure, our pipeline got filled up 24-7 with people who wanted to hire us, right? And last but not least, with my own customers, I put in place a referral program and I didn't just say, we have a referral program. Please, please, would you like to send us referrals? I said, we have a referral program. Here's the documentation. So it's in writing. We now have a contract. Let me follow up with you next week. Who do you think we should speak to? When do we want to connect on this? And as a result, we probably did another million dollars in revenue just from that. Now, when you look at those three elements combined together, I, I leveraged the oldest form of marketing, which is relationship marketing, giving value, getting value, giving value, getting value. It, it wasn't difficult to create. It's just that most people forget about it until they get in times where they don't have a lot of extra free capital to spend on marketing budgets, radio, TV, print, web, etc. But it's been there the whole time. Much like me paying the, the, the credit card payment processing fees that I didn't really think about when times were good. It's been there the whole time. How good of a job are you doing in, in creating these joint ventures and these relationships? Because I haven't run a single ad in that business in five years. It's been 100% relationship driven. And, and guess what? The, the types of clients that come to me are amazing because somebody said, that guy's amazing at what he does. How much fun is that to have those types of conversations? And they're all sitting right in front of you in your business. And every time I bring this up with a business owner, they go, you know what? I, I've known that I should do that for a long time, but you know, it, I just, I just didn't get to it. it. It seemed like too much work, blah, 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 blah. It's free money sitting right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'll say about this too, Aaron, and I think it's a good, it's a good spot to start maybe ending this is on a good note of how do you now tackle this day in and day out and stay positive during relatively negative times? I mean, we've talked, there's a lot of prosperity out there for sure, but for the, for the average person that doesn't have the skill set or the experience that maybe we have or CEOs of companies have, what are some, you, you got to take really good care of your mind and your body during all this, because this stuff will wear you down, right? It's coming from all different angles. So you're going to need to, you're going to need to work on your mindset. Well, I think we said we were going to call it attitude today, right? My bad. You're going to work <laughs> on your attitude and you've got to work physically on yourself because it's really easy to let yourself go and chalk it up to, you know what? I'm not really feeling it because I'm not feeling good about where things are headed. So therefore, I'm not feeling good about myself. So therefore, I'm not going to take care of myself, right? That's an important thing to be thinking about is attitude, mind, 
body. I've got to keep myself physically fit and resilient because I'm going to need to weather, you know, a lot of ups and downs. Um, this is not, I don't think anything that, you know, we talked about these big three. I think it was inflation, recession. What was the other one? Inflation, recession, layoffs, right? We talked about these big things. They don't just go away overnight. They don't just evaporate, right? These massive policy changes would need to happen for this to change. And I right. don't see any of that happening in the next couple but of years. But a very important point to go along with what you're saying is that, but they will. If you look at the last 150 years. They will. Yeah, they will. They will. They will. They, they so, tend to. So you got to put yourself in that headspace. And I agree with you 100%. First, take care of your physical because your physical has a direct impact on your mind. Yeah, you can't, you can't let that slip away. You can't let that slip away. And, it's really, and Aaron, it's the first thing that slips away. It's the first thing that slips away. And really, it's the first thing you should double down on. Right. In this scenario is right. your physical. Because if you're physically right, you yep. will be mentally right. Listen, you could use you as the example coming into the new year. So if you guys are watching the show, we've been doing we We're like our third year into the show. So a lot of people watch it by YouTube. But the majority of our listeners are listening to the audio on podcast. Right. Aaron's looking lean and mean right now, folks. <laughs> he came into two and for the, you know, the, there's a lesson here. He came into, you came into 2023 really, you're a real positive guy and a real optimistic guy. You have a great attitude and, and, and a really magnetic personality, but you were pretty down coming in. Like you were really stressed and you I were was. really feeling a lot of, I don't know. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, pulled in a lot of directions, too much responsibility, you know, in high demand, a lot of good things, but like things that eventually wear down any human being. And you went on this crazy regimen, which if you go back and listen to like the January 2023 stuff that we did coming into the new year, like where are the biggest opportunities? And you can go to salesvelocitytv.com and they're all there. Um, you did like, is it a 75 day or is it a, was it a 75 day regimen that you started? Correct. Because yeah, we're like was... 30, 60, we're past 75, aren't we 90 days in? Where we only, I only have two weeks left. But, so I started at 75 on, days. Did you start like mid January or something? Because no, January March, 1st, January 1st. Cause it's March 3rd at the time of this recording. Right. So we're, so January to February, February to March, 30, 60 days. 60. I've oh, got you're right. I'm more. against April. Yeah. 30, 60. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, you're pushing 75 days. Okay. Got right. it. I know exactly how many man, days it is because I can't wait to be, to be completed this stage of it. But oh, man, you look uh, very healthy. And you're way, th not that you were overweight, but you're way thinner, like you're leaner and fitter. Yeah, I, I've, I've reduced my body fat from about 25% to about 16% right now. Wow. Uh, you know, the, the hydration levels are through the roof. The nutrient levels are through the roof. I've read every day for 20 minutes. I've worked out twice a day for 60 days straight. I've been on the same eating program for no alcohol, no cheat days. Uh, very, very strict. I feel amazing. My mind is very clear. I'm very resilient right now. I'm much calmer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, like you said, I was, uh, there's a lot of things going on that were pulling me in different directions. And, and, and so what I decided is to do this program because it's a mental strength challenge, but the outcome is, is that it changes you physically, which also allows you to be more mentally durable and I don't think I've been this peaceful uh, in, in quite a long time as I've been feeling the last couple of weeks because everything's just somehow that the volume has come down and everything's been given perspective because I'm healthy and my mind is clear. So this is the second time in my life that I've forced myself when times were very difficult to attack my body first so that my mind would follow. And it's been a tremendous result. 
And I would highly encourage everybody to think about this because you're right. As soon as times get tough, the first thing that goes is the nutrients and the fitness because it's, I don't have time for that. Self-care. It, it, the self-care goes out the window because I don't have time. I got to go, 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 panic mode, da, 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 da. And it's the, actually the reverse thing that you should be able to, should be doing because it doesn't allow you to have the creativity, the logic, the clear thinking to be able to navigate your current situation. So I think that that's definitely number one. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Number two is taking stock of where you're currently at. And we talked a lot about that in the beginning of this, right? Take stock. What does my business look like? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are the things I've been ignoring? How do I put those things in place? What's the low hanging fruit that's been right in front of my face for me to attack that times have been so good that I haven't paid any attention to it, Mm -hmm. right? So taking stock and starting to put things in play and then starting to get into that creative mode is really the third piece. I'm going to talk about creative. It can be multiple different areas. It can be creating new relationships with other people, other partners, other businesses that can blossom into amazing revenue opportunities. It could be creative from a marketing standpoint to stand out in your industry. It could be creative from a product development standout in your industry. It can be creative from the perspective of testing new things that maybe like you and I talking about yesterday, we're going to test this new media channel that we probably should have tested three years ago, but things have been so easy, you know, for us that we're like, ah, well, it's, you know, get the little scare and now we'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have a little scare, right? Everyone's having a little scare right now. And sometimes that's why the little scare is good because it goes, Oh, hold on. I got to take stock. Right. So if you can put these things in place and, and, you know, again, the little scare taking stock again, if you're somebody who's in a job, has it really been so easy that you got complacent being in that job? And all of a sudden now the scare comes and you're going, Oh, like there's a strong possibility that I could get the ax here. Right. We have to, as humans, complacency is the worst spot you can be in. Being proactive is what gets the result. If this little wake up is going, is going to allow you to move into proactive state versus complacency or reactive state, it's actually a really good thing because a lot of amazing things are always birthed out of difficult situations because they forced humans to get out of the complacency stage and into the proactive stage. And I think for me, and then I'll, I'll let you wrap it up, from here, I guess I'll circle back to attitude again. It's a very famous quote. I don't know who wrote it, but they said, if you're sitting in a state of depression, it's because you're thinking about the past. If you're sitting in a state of anxiety, it's because you're thinking about the future. And if you're sitting in a state of peace, it's because you're thinking about the present. I want people to think about that for a second because it was very profound for me when I read it is that ultimately we can control our emotional state. And yes, there's a lot of things that are happening. And yes, we need to be aware that they exist, but we can't allow all of our energy to live over there. What we have to do is, is we have to own our situation and we have to create a feedback loop of progress 
and positivity about the things that we're knocking out in the present that are going to be there for us in the future versus spending all of our time either in, in that present state full of anxiety or worse in the past. Oh man, things used to be so good in the past. How did I screw things up? How did I mess up that relationship? How come I didn't do that marketing campaign? And being in a state of depression based on the decisions that you didn't make in the past, right? Create your plan, chip away at it every single day. And you'll find that your happiness goes up because humans get an endorphin release from progress. Mm-hmm. So stay there, stay focused on the plan. Yeah, That's well where I said, would leave it with today. Well said. And to the fitness point, it is really difficult to achieve any of that resilience, attitude, creativity, thinking about prosperity, figuring out game plans to pivot fast if you've let yourself go physically, which ultimately <laughs> leads to mentally. So it's really important that you double down, like you said, Aaron, on how you're taking care of yourself. Self-care has got to come first. You've got to do the modalities, the workouts, the fitness, the strength training, the massage, the, you know, I I like to get out and play golf at least once a week. And half of why I play is because I really enjoy playing. But the other half of why I play is because the health benefits of being outside on the earth with my feet in nature, on grass with animals around me is such a, it's such a pivotal mindset slash health play sun on me, right? Like in in South Florida where I am, you got to find your outlets and you got to make sure you don't get off the regimen of doing the right eating and doing the right working out, which ultimately leads to mindset. And then working on your mind, what are you reading also, right? Right. What do you, like you you talked about the reading thing, which was part of your program, which was interesting how they bundled reading in. Um, I, if I had to guess, Aaron, I would say that the majority of the population spends at least five to 10 hours a week on Netflix. Now, oh, there might be some really productive shows and series in there. I don't watch Netflix and I don't watch TV. I once in a while drop the, put the news on to see what's going on. And I try to be careful to look at both left and right so I can figure out really who's doing the least damage. <laughs> uh, but that, that's my extent of TV. But I, I'm, a phys- I'm an offline guy more so. I like to physically read and I like to learn about really what I talked about earlier, which is health and fitness, health and wellness, alternative medicine type stuff. So I can, you know, be resilient and and, and stay that way. Uh, But also finance, what's going on financially six months or a year ahead so that you can make the adapt, you can, you can adapt in the business to where things may be going. I've always had a really good knack. And I think you have too, of doing a really good job of seeing at least two steps ahead of what most see. Now that's not always, I'm not like some sort of ESP guy or some sort of genius, but I've done a really good job in a lot of different boxes of seeing at least two to three steps ahead of where most see. And that's not because I'm just saying it. It's because I do a lot of reading and research and I try to do it from a lot of different independent sources so that I can make my own decision and stay a few steps ahead. And that's really what you need to work on now more than anything as a business owner. If you want to get an edge in tougher times is how do I get myself so knowledgeable and so grounded physically and mentally that I can start to see a step or two ahead so I can get ahead of what's coming. You don't want to be behind what's coming. You want to be ahead of what's coming, or at least you want to be in parity of what's here, right? Staying in reality, like you said, not dwelling on the past. Good point. Not getting overly focused and and getting a lot of anxiety about the future, but somehow staying even grounded in the middle, right? It's tough to stay in the middle, right? No peaks, no valleys. It's tough to stay right in that middle spot. But if you can, like you said, you'll be less stressed more productive. And this is something that takes awareness and diligent work on. This isn't something you just say, I'm going to go do this. It's like, 
you really have to catch yourself and you have to watch yourself and you have to monitor yourself as if you're not yourself, right? You have to almost take a, a weird standpoint of looking at yourself from the outside in and saying, how am I handling this situation? Am I doing mm -hmm. enough? Have I made enough pivots? Have I aligned myself with the right people? Have I built the right teams around me? Am I in doubling down and investing in growth right now? Or am I getting really scared and putting my guard up and contracting and not spending in times like now? And, you know, that's those are things you need to look at because you probably need to be doubling down in finding ways to invest more in yourself, in more in the business, in more in systems now, not less, right? It's a scarcity versus abundance mentality that I think from an attitudinal standpoint, you've got to balance out pretty good. I mean, there's, there's some times where you need to be negative. Let's be real, Aaron, right? There's some times where you need to say, you know what, this is a negative situation. This is not good. It's let's, let's, let's call it what it is and let's address it. But now how do we make it good or how do we pivot away from it? But the, 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 the concerning reality that I said in the beginning of thinking that something isn't happening that's happening and neglecting facting not being in reality is the most damaging piece of all of this. So you've got to be very careful about understanding reality and then pivoting to what can make that reality better. Agreed. <sighs> Recession, inflation. What was my other one? Recession, layoffs. inflation, layoffs. Yeah, they're all coming. Um, I don't think this is like a quick thing. People love saying it's going to be a quick thing. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think it will be quick. I think it will be, you know, multi-years. I think this this current four-year, uh, I think we're in the worst, probably the worst economic and political times we've ever been in in, in history under this administration. Um, I wish that wasn't the case. I'm not rooting for any administration not to do well because it affects my business. I would love this not to be the case because I would have people spending way more money, but people, frankly, are scared of all the reasons we mentioned. So, you know, we've got to really kind of hunker down, dig down, roll up our sleeves and figure this thing out. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I think you and I pray and I think we know who we want to be that new leadership in two years. But that's, you know, that's kind of what I look out to is the hope of, of, of just just better times and better policies and, you know, better economic environments in the years ahead. But you got to know what's going on again to be able to pivot and to be able to make moves and be able to be agile and, and, and versatile to, uh, to deal with it. And we'll keep talking about topics like this on the show. We, we tend to pivot to these topics quite a bit, Aaron, because you can only talk about sales and marketing on a sales show so much. But, you know, you have to have the full package, right? You've got to be able to have the mindset to be able to build teams and have the right attitude and take care of yourself and take care of your, your processes. And like you said, do joint ventures. I think our biggest asset on the show is bringing as much of that creative thinking to the table and that, that, that alternative, some call it critical thinking to the table, not getting stuck in a box of being told what you should do and think. And that's really, you know, what we'll continue to, 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 to drill down on and, and bring to the table. So good one here today, Aaron. We'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. All past episodes of Sales Velocity TV and radio are at salesvelocitytv.com. You got the YouTube over there if you want to watch video. But then we're on all the audio platforms as well. Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, all the big ones. And uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same place, for another episode of Sales Velocity TV and Radio. I'm Andrew. That's Aaron. Over and out.